This is a Bar Crawl Radio Extra. For BCR 70, we had a most encouraging conversation in this age of greenhouse gas mania with City Council Member Rafael Espinal about green roofs and his bill that requires green roofs and or solar panels on all new New York City buildings. We had heard about green roof farms, and so we took this opportunity of visiting the Brooklyn Grange Farm on the roof of Building 3 in the Brooklyn Navy Yards. I spoke with Grange co-founder and chief operating officer, Anastasia cole Plakius. Hi, guys. Sorry to keep waiting. Oh, Anastasia, hi. It's been a day. Nice to meet you, Alina. Hi. You found us okay? Yeah. Uh, I'm going to go around the building once. Yeah, so I, did I mention in my email, did I already say that we're going to be dragging you back to our Sunset Park farm? We've completed construction of our third farm and greenhouse and are currently working on building a building on top of that building. And right now we're, we're going up the stairs to the roof, through the emergency roof access. And it's raining and we're out on the roof of the Brooklyn Grange. And we can see Manhattan across the way there. This is pretty gosh darn amazing. Well, welcome. Thank you so much for inviting us up here to the to the Brooklyn Grange. Oh my gosh, thank you for coming. Thank you for making the trip uh, from uptown. We have a pretty panoramic view of New York City from this particular roof here in the Brooklyn Navy Yard. What are we looking at right now? Yeah, so you're looking at the second location of our business, which is spread across three rooftops in Brooklyn and Queens. Um, this particular site was built in 2012. It's a 65,000 foot square foot farm on top of Building 3 in the Brooklyn Navy Yard. Can we translate that to acres? Yeah, it's about an acre and a half. Our total acreage across our, all of our fields is 5.6 acres. And those three fields generate almost 90,000 pounds of food every year. I've always thought of a roof, uh, farm roof, like a flat roof, but you also have like an angled thing going on here. Those are covered skylights, and we love them because they provide a little bit of a windbreak. We don't have trees up here, so wind can be, you know, especially up on a roof uh, near, near the water, wind can always be a challenge. We've planted that skylight with meadow crops, um, natives, perennials, pollinator attracting crops. In peak season, if you're up here in, you say, September, particularly October is when the monarch butterfly migration happens, nice. you would see butterflies, all different types of Bees and flies and birds um, flitting about from plant to plant uh, and behaving as though uh, this human ecosystem all around them didn't even exist, which is one of my favorite attributes. So, so the, the butterflies don't know they're up on top of the Navy Yard roof, You know, in 12 fact, flights up. In fact, they might. Butterflies, it's a really interesting fact. Butterflies sense temperature difference from really long dif- distances. So more than, say, a park at ground level, because the other rooftops around us are so hot. I mean, we are on average 30 to 40 degrees Fahrenheit cooler, our surface temperatures on this roof. Uh, as opposed to a regular, you know, tar, black tar roof. So butterflies sense this temperature difference from really long distances, and they flock to us. Like a, we're like a bullseye to them. Oh, we got to come back. You have to in, come back in, in the season. summer. It's it's pretty fabulous. So when, when is the height of the of the butterfly season? October is monarch migration season, and this year it was really exciting because tradition. The last, you know, we, this, this was our tenth season farming rooftops, and I don't think we'd had a migration season this prolific since 2010. 
We also have a great migratory uh, predatory bird population that comes through. We have a delightful family of kestrels. Um, they are the smallest birds of prey. Uh, they, you, you might recognize from them from their clee 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 sound that they make. Uh, but they absolutely love um, the insect populations that sort of tend to explode at the end of our season here. So you'll see them sitting on top of parapet walls, clee clee cleeing away and just dropping down and pulling uh, tomato hornworms out of the tomatoes or uh, crickets out of our, our meadow here on the patio and tearing them apart. And we love it because they're just a wonderful natural form of pest control. Right. But I mean, do they, do they get into the vegetables? They don't. So you don't have any kind of that kind of problem. I mean, the, you have no deer. I we know have no here. deer. I mean, that's one of the greatest benefits of being up on a, a roof is uh, you don't have deer, you don't have squirrels. Ground level farming, urban farming, of course, one of the biggest challenges is rats. We don't have them. Um, so Because they don't get up here. They don't get up here. They haven't figured out how to work the elevator buttons yet. <laughs> so Anastasia, how did you get into this? I am a native New Yorker, so I really knew nothing about growing food uh, until relatively recently. I followed my appetite here. Uh, I worked in the food and, and restaurant and wine biz for a restaurateur winemaker for years and um, I learned a ton about business from him but I was actually thinking about going to law school so that I could become a, an environmental lawyer and defend farmers against some of the agribusinesses that were threatening uh, our more sustainable foodways when I saw a piece about my uh, now business partner and co-founder Ben Flanner who had started along with uh, Annie Novak, a small 6,000 square foot rooftop farm in Greenpoint, Brooklyn called Eagle Street. Um, is I, it still there? It is still there. She runs a great uh, uh, sort of educational community project uh, from that roof. And I had helped some buddies of mine who'd started a pizzeria in Bushwick, Brooklyn, build some gardens on top of Heritage Radio Network, uh, which runs out of two shipping containers in the backyard of that restaurant. Great internet radio station for those who are interested in learning about I, I, I've food. Crossed, I, we've crossed paths, yes. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, um, so my buddies had this pizzeria, Roberta's, in Bushwick, and they, uh, you know, I was trying to write an article about them. I, I freelanced. Uh, for magazines for years to pay to help pay the bills back when you could still get a dollar a word. I don't know if anybody remembers <laughs> that far back when dinosaurs roamed the earth. Uh, <laughs> We're not that old, so <laughs> let's, it let's feels, be calm here. It feels like a long time ago, particularly having seen uh, you know the, how the media landscape has changed since then. Um, but I was I was trying to get back into writing about. Um, I was trying to get back into journalism and specifically wanted to write about food and farming. And I thought oh. a good entry point would be writing about these guys in their pizzeria because they were a sort of a, a little bit press shy. And uh, so I thought I had this in, why not give it a shot? But I very quickly abandoned my digital recorder and started hauling soil up to the tops of these shipping containers, helped them build these gardens. You found yourself. I very quickly realized that while I loved building them, I had no idea how to grow anything. Uh, and it was then that I ran into our third co-founder, Gwen Chance, who lived in the neighborhood. Um, I knew she had a green thumb. I recruited her to help guide our efforts up there on those shipping containers. And the rest is history. Yeah. And wow. so you've been here uh, in the Navy Yard for 10 years? This was our uh, this farm opened in 2012. It was uh, at the time when we received the grant in 2011, the largest recipient of the New York City Department of Environmental Protection's Green Infrastructure Stormwater Management Grant. 
that program long name, but uh, is a really important program for folks to know about, particularly as we enter this new era of the Climate Mobilization Act. For those of you out there listening who are unfamiliar with the Climate Mobilization Act, this is a really important, important uh, piece of law that went into effect last month, October 2019, and was uh, the product of the hard work of the Environmental Committee of City Council. Uh, and a whole lot of us activists uh, make a noise about how we need to change the way real estate is being developed in this city. Well, this, this program is part of a program which Rafael Espinal was on. Oh, right, of course. So, so I'm sure he told you all about it. He did in his new bill that requires now uh, rooftop gardens and requires. So yeah. when we first approached Love him, word, we were we we <laughs> sat him down and said, "Would you be willing to talk to us about maybe uh, putting some incentives out there uh, for developers to include green roofs on their project?" And wouldn't you know, he said, "Yeah, we could incentivize them, but what if we just required these green roofs?" And he threw that. Out. That's he, he threw that. Out. He did. He wow. did. And we were, you know, frankly, not sure if he could make it happen. Uh, but it was really. He wasn't sure either. He said, and he was surprised that there wasn't really much pushback. And I think that that speaks to the fact that New Yorkers, for so long, have wanted to see this city live up to how the rest of the world sees us. I mean, we get a ton of international visitors, and I'll tell you, they all say the same thing, which is, New York City is really a leader in you know, green infrastructure, but moreover, urban farming. And the fact of the matter is uh, we actually have quite a bit of catching up to do. Right. There's cities like Detroit that are doing quite well. Detroit, um, you know, Chicago's been a leader in green roofs in the U.S. Paris has certainly been incentivizing urban farming, but you're seeing a lot more controlled environment agriculture happening there, indoor farming um, that's growing sort of more specialty crops for... Um, you know, for the the restaurant market there, um, hydroponically, uh, aeroponically, in towers and greenhouses, underground. I actually had a great visit with uh, a farm there, and uh, it was a, it was a really interesting experience. I just come from the mayor's office, where I had the honor of meeting with. Um, a woman named Penelope Comitas, uh, who's their director. Comitas. Yeah, another is a very Greek name. Yeah. Uh, she's their director of uh, green space there, and um, she's wearing this suit. And I'd, I'd been introduced to these urban farmers over email, but I hadn't had time to really research much about them. I'd looked them up and found nothing about them online, in fact. So when I went to meet them all the way up in the north of Paris, uh, across from a a housing project, um, I realized I had no way of reaching out to them. And I was early. So I was standing there in my suit, freshly off the plane, jet lagged, and uh, realizing I have no idea where I'm going. Nobody knows where I am. This guy emerges out of nowhere. He says, are you Anastasia? Follow me. And he takes me into this parking garage underneath this housing project and Why as not? he shuts the gate behind us <laughs> starting to think oh, what boy. have I done <laughs> and, I, and what, I, what I proceeded to discover there uh, were not only two of the most hospitable and wonderful uh, and excited uh, French urban farmers but one of the coolest projects I've seen in a while an underground network of urban farms uh, including an endive and mushroom farm uh, a spirulina tank a composting facility and uh, these particular gentlemen are growing microgreens um, ideally they're hoping to grow them without additional nutrients okay let's, nutrients. let's talk about your farm 
Yeah. Um, so, so you say it's uh, part, part of your uh, triangle is a profit. Do, do you make a profit on the vegetables that you grow here? Yeah, we do. We, uh, we have three arms. Um, so we grow and sell vegetables. We, we do about five markets a week in season. Uh, we have 100 CSA, or Community Supported Agriculture members, who come and pick up a share of our harvest every week. And then we sell to a whole number of restaurants and mom-and-pop grocers across town. Uh, and then we also uh, have two other revenue streams that are allow, allow us to to sort of grow this business into the, the business that it is. They allow us to do all the things that we want to do, like support our educational nonprofit partner organization, City Growers, who brings K through 12 youth up to our farms. Um, if we were just growing vegetables, uh, you know, whether we could support all of this different activity remains to be seen, but it's our other two revenue streams that really make this business fulfill that triple bottom line mission of engaging our community and uh, and really having an impact on our environment. And those two other arms are our design build arm. We design, install, and often maintain green spaces for clients all over the city. We did- Because clearly you know how to do it. We're very good at it now. Uh, and it's a great, that's a great revenue stream because it's a truly triple bottom line revenue stream, right? We're increasing green space to a far greater extent than we could just by building our own farms that we would then also need to operate. We're creating a whole lot of green jobs, building and then maintaining these spaces. Our design build arm is a rapidly growing employer. Uh, and uh, of course, you know, it is also adding to our profits and allowing us to, to continue to grow that mission. Um, we... We did the Vice Media headquarters in Williamsburg. We did a housing facility for formerly homeless adults in the South Bronx. So we, we really, you know, our projects run the gamut. We love working with the DEP on that green infrastructure grant program to, uh, to find funding for projects that might otherwise not be built and increase green space and, and uh, uh, you know, green roofs in areas where they're badly needed um, that are not as well funded. Um, and so that's been very exciting. And then our events program is our third I was going to say, you probably have people come up here. You can have a party up here. Oh, we sure do. We have weddings here often, uh, most Saturdays through the season. And Amazing. It's really great because, you know, there are some folks. We also have a workshop program. We do tours. Um, you know, you can learn how to come up and dye fabric with plants. Uh, but not everybody is so keen to get their hands dirty. And those folks who are maybe a little bit more interested in coming up for a sunset uh, cocktail and a sunflower selfie those folks eat every day too we need to get them on the team <laughs> you know so do you, do you serve them the vegetables that you grow here Most is it one of those like farm dinners where you can go to a farm yeah. and you can yeah we work with oh we could do that right here we certainly could we do it we do it here all the time we have a dinner called compost dinner we work with our dear friends at bond bite a catering company right next door here in the navy yard they're amazing and we serve food that would otherwise have ended up in the waste stream. And it's actually one of the most delicious. You're, you're wrinkling your nose, but... No, no, because it's cold up here. <laughs> oh, it is chilly. It's chilly, guys. <laughs> no, no. I mean, we're all... We're going we're gonna to hear some teeth chattering yeah. soon. Uh, but yeah, the compost center is just a really exciting way to show folks 
all the incredible things you can do with what you might consider food waste, but we have to stop framing it as waste. It's food. It's just food. It's just happens it's that well we're wasting cooked. it. <laughs> That's exactly right. And Winston does an amazing job. But our events team also does incredible work of finding ways to eliminate other waste streams. The events industry is plagued by waste. Rentals come wrapped in plastic. Sure. Uh, you know, linens get used once and then cleaned using really nasty chemicals. So, you know, we eliminate all of that from this dinner and it really is a great stripped down but elegant evening on the farm. So that's one of my favorite events that we do. And what 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 kind of vegetables are up here? What sort of things do you grow? We grow a lot of leafy crops because they make great use of the limited space that we have. They're high-yielding, high-density, quick turnaround crops. But we grow almost anything you can imagine. That includes root crops like carrots and turnips and radishes, kohlrabi. Um, You know, we even grow some uh, uh, long lead crops like cabbages. Cabbages take 30 days in the greenhouse and 60 days in the field. At the end of all of that, you've got a cabbage. You're not keeping the lights on with cabbage, but we also want to make sure that our CSA members, our market shoppers are getting, you know, more than just salad uh, from our farm. So we grow, you know, tomatoes, peppers, herbs, uh, cucumbers, squash, not a ton of potatoes. Um, You know, we do only have 12 inches of soil. So certain things are not going to do tremendously well. Brussels sprouts, we've had some trouble. Uh, Corn, certainly with its six foot taproot, Uh, you know, and, and space hogs. You know, corn takes a tremendous amount of space. So, you know, the limited amount of space we have up here, it doesn't make sense to use that growing corn. So tell me the truth, Anastasia. It's, it's at the end of the day, and, and as you're ready to go home, and you haven't made anything, do you come out here and harvest oh my a, God. some lettuce or something for dinner? <laughs> It is so funny that you're asking me this. Last night, I had just a hanker. I had rice and beans on the menu last night, and I just wanted something green to put on the plate. And, you know, normally in the summertime when the farm's in full, you know, fruit, I come up and it's sunset and it's beautiful and I catch the lights coming on in the Chrysler building and it's such a joy to harvest your dinner. Last night it was cold, it was dark. I came up, I put the flashlight on on my phone, and I'm picking chard going... I don't know. I hope this is edible. I can't see anything. Oh, <laughs> and it was wow. the most beautiful chart I've ever eaten. Wow. So you do. You do I that. Sure okay. Do. All right. Well, you're the you're the co-founder and chief operating officer, so why not? Yeah, you're it is a it is a little bit of a job perk. Do you use fertilizer out here? We do. We use only organic approved uh Uh, amendments of any type and that includes not just our fertilizers but our pesticides we do a lot with compost um, because we do produce quite a bit of of plant compost plant matter up here on the farm Um, but we also occasionally will apply uh, like targeted amendments of things like you know um, phosphorus or something but it's all organically derived so you know not synthetic nitrogen that's using fossil fuels to create um, fertilizers excuse me pesticides probably are, are most often used pesticide is is peppermint dr bronner's soap uh, oh. diluted in water which is does a really great job of uh, killing aphids and soft-bodied pests which happen and then it washes off the vegetables washes off the vegetables yeah right. next rainstorm that comes along it's gone that's amazing yeah why don't all farms do that they don't work you know i'll tell you i think a big part of why farming has turned into what it is is because our economy is a fuel-based economy Um, it's really expensive to employ people 
uh, and it's really cheap to buy a tractor and fill it up with fuel. So a lot of our farming systems are designed really around that fact. And one of the things I love most that's a huge challenge, don't get me wrong, and it is definitely, I think, the biggest challenge facing urban agriculture is that, you know, this is a pretty inefficient way of farming in the sense that it relies on a huge amount of labor. Everything we do up here, we do by hand. That includes all of our soil amendments, our pest control, everything's done by hand. So our labor is like 58% of our annual spend. That's on, it's on people. And that's, and, and that's certainly from a business perspective, from a profitability perspective, you know, other business owners out there might be hearing this and going, oh, yikes, that's not, that's not a sustainable way to run a business. But we see it as a really honorable challenge because at the end of the day, if you can create jobs, you know, instead of just funding the fossil fuel industry, you're making progress. The challenge is, can you pay a living wage in a city where the cost of living is so high, particularly growing food, which, you know, we pay a a smaller percent of our income on food here in the U.S. than anywhere else in the world. By a lot. By a lot. So how many farmers do you have here? How many workers? So we have uh, right now... And, and our quote-unquote off-season, we have 22 full-time year-round salaried staff. But we peak in, you know, in the middle of summer when we're building out design-build projects, when we're hosting events every weekend, and we've got you know, event staff who are seasonal on board, farmers who are seasonal. Our payroll peaks at about 75 people. Wow. Volunteers? No. We like to pay people. Um, we do find that people are really eager to get their hands dirty and learn. So on Saturdays at our Long Island City location, which is really easy to get to on the R train uh, at 36th Street, every Saturday from 10 to 4, we have an open house. You're welcome to come up. You can shop. You can also get your hands dirty alongside our farm team. Uh, but the fact of the matter is that farming is actually, it's a specialized type of work and you got to know what you're doing. So while we're happy to try and spend some of our resources sharing that knowledge with people, at the end of the day, we, we, it's better for our business and better for people in our community if we're creating jobs to fulfill that function. Right. Awesome. Now, now do, 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 I don't have just a couple more questions, but Please, do, yeah. do, you, do you use rooftops because they're available? Because there must be other areas that are on the ground that you could farm. Why, why a rooftop? A couple reasons in favor of rooftops. First of all, you need a long lease on a farm. You can't just set up a farm, farm for a couple years, uh, turn a profit, and then pick up your whole farm and move it to a new location, Um, particularly in the city where you're really creating a space uh, that was otherwise not there. Find a ground, find a landlord to give me a 20 year lease on a large economy of scale sized ground level parcel. In Manhattan. Yeah, and I'll I'll split my profits with you. You can find me that space. I will split my profits with you because you are. Uh, No, we have a 20-year lease here at the Navy Yard and a 20-year lease at our Sunset Park space as well. Because this building is not going anywhere. It's a a vibrant place, a lot of storage done in here. That's right. So a lot of activity going on around this building. Building number three. Building number three. In the Navy, right. Yeah, of course not chronologically labeled. No. <laughs> They're just no. all over the map. It was map. difficult to find, but yeah. we, we, we got to you. Yeah, yeah, we're a little bit hidden in here. But our Sunset Park location is on top of the Liberty View building, which houses a Bed Bath & Beyond and other retail shopping mall in the lobby. So there's a there's a big parking lot. You, you know, folks can drive and get their soda stream canisters and then come on up to the roof on Sunday afternoons, May through October, and find that we've got a farm stand going. City growers are educational 
Little Sister organization is doing programming for K through 12 youth up there. Uh, and it's a really great place that you can come for free on a Sunday afternoon with your family, walk around, experience what it is to be on a farm. Sometimes we do even have some pick your own uh, crops like cherry tomatoes. Uh, and that's really one of the reasons that we were so excited to open that space. Um, from, you know, from a community engagement perspective, perspective roofs can be extremely challenging it's hard to let the community know that you're up on the roof um, it also presents a whole host of accessibility challenges uh, but we are not shy about challenges and yeah, you have to get stuff up here gotta get everything up here i mean there's a lot of dirt up here there's a there's ton yeah. many tons many, not many a tons ton many tons you, you said they're, they're 12 inches deep that's right that's right, right. yeah so a cubic and it covers almost this entire roof yeah sixty-five thousand square feet of a cubic uh, you know of of cubic feet of green roof soil. Now our soil is a little bit lighter than your garden variety soil. It's 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 specifically designed to drain well, um, so that our roof doesn't fill up like a bathtub every time it rains heavily. But well, it's raining now. It's raining now, and here's a great argument in favor of green roofs. And I'm sure you talked about this with Espinal and your other green roof advocates. But combined sewage overflow is a, is an issue that's plaguing cities across New York. And today is a perfect day for us to stand here and, and say. Right now, our farm is preventing all these drops of rain that you see falling around you from becoming part of that CSO problem. And, and that's something that we're really excited about and proud to share. Um, the other one for you, I mean, standing here with your, I love that you've got your, uh, your fuzzy uh, covering on your mic there. Yeah, because it's windy. It's windy, but you'll note that there's also a lack of other noise. And nobody talks about this benefit of green roofs, but they do reduce noise pollution. Absolutely wonderful. Isn't it that interesting? It eats up the noise pollution, yeah. Yeah, so, you know, all these hard surfaces, all these hard angles of our buildings and uh, other New York, uh, other city infrastructure, a lot of noise bounces off of them. And, you know, you, don't, you never realize it as a New Yorker, especially when you grew up here. It's like you get out to it the gets, country. No, you don't hear it at all. And you're and like, everything's oh, so wow. loud. So, yeah. The silence is <laughs> yeah, loud. The when silence you <laughs> is loud, right. I can hear everything. Yeah. yeah. And it's kind of astounding. And it's only in those moments that you realize, oh, my gosh, I have been inundated by sound. It has been just a constant. You, li you live in a sea of sound. Yeah. 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 And right now we're hearing the raindrops fall. It's falling, oh, there's a few blocks of, of cement, but it's falling on your plants. That's right. In summertime, you'll also hear crickets up here. Oh, uh, you'll hear the annoying kestrels, yeah. <laughs> who I adore. But Do the imitation like, again. Clee, 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 clee. It's constant. <laughs> okay. <laughs> uh, but yeah, what you don't hear is, you know, as much of the jackhammer, the pile driver, the siren. Oh, and uh, the, the buses. The, and the, yeah, you, get, you get all that. You know, we're, um, last question. We're entering uh, winter. Yeah. Um, uh, your, your garden is still green. I see there's still stuff coming up. You said you had, what did you have yeah, last night? I had chard. Chard, yeah, chard last chard night. Chard last night. Um, so what do you do in the winter? What happens to this land here in the winter? And this land, it's not a rooftop, it's land. Yeah, so the rooftop is fairly dormant. We plant a lot of cover crop to prevent erosion. Um, to capture you know some atmospheric nitrogen and add that back into the soil keep it healthy uh, but for the most part our farmers sit down at their desks and just tuck into spreadsheets uh, they meet with organizations in the community and talk about what jobs we'll have available in spring to try and recruit locally from uh, the neighborhoods right around our farm uh, they will do a ton of financial planning and forecasting and then increasingly we're busy with construction um, you know right now we're building our events hall on top of our sunset park farm um, 
consulting work. Right now we are designing a rooftop farm for the Jacob Javits Convention Center. I heard about that. We're very excited about it. That's huge. It's, That's a huge roof. It's going to be... Well, so it's actually not on the existing building. They're okay. building an extension. Huh. And we are building not only a rooftop farm on the extension of that building, but an orchard. Um, so more on that to come, but it is going to be... Orchard, but that's deep roots. That's right, but it's a brand new building. So you can design all those features amazing. right into this, the, the structure of the building. It's so exciting. And, you know, that's it's just been amazing to work with an organization like theirs with such a deep commitment to sustainability that actually stands by its values. It gives me hope for... Uh, a lot of things give, have given me hope in this sort of dismal era of uh, climate crisis and um, working with Javits and, and, you know, seeing that the state of New York is actually putting funding into efforts like this has been really encouraging. And, um, you know, we thank Albany for, for prioritizing that. But also, I think probably one of the most uh, my, mo- my moments of greatest optimism has been the fact that inviting Espinal to lunch actually uh, resulted in, in, you know, us being part of this conversation and him encouraging his colleagues and them working together to pass the Climate Mobilization Act. New Yorkers out there, reach out to your council member, invite them to lunch, bring them a sandwich, uh, you know, get them involved, tell them what you're passionate about and tell them that you'll show up for them and rally others to do the same if they can get movement for you. Because at the end of the day, this is how we make changes in this city. Well, Raphael is running for um, for a borough president, woo, woo. and uh, I, I I'm encouraging people to vote for him because he's a he, he's a great guy. All right, I said that was the last question, but I just have one yeah, more. Yeah, please, I don't have a heart out. You you have a really amazing job. What tell us what what is this job? What does it mean to you? How has it changed you? Oh my gosh, it has humbled me as a native New Yorker. I might get a little bit of emotion, emotional here. Um, as a native New Yorker, it is, I think, the greatest honor that I could possibly have hoped to, to, to be a part of this place, to welcome my fellow community members and neighbors up to this space. I only hope that we can continue to grow this business so we can grow more spaces like this um, in lower income communities, communities of color, not just in wealthy neighborhoods as part of, you know, commercial real estate development projects for the rich. Um, It is the greatest honor of my life and it is the greatest challenge and it never ceases to be a challenge, so it never gets boring. Um, But as a native New Yorker, being able to actually bring my love of nature, which I discovered late in life as an urbanite, uh, and, and join it with my love of this city. It's just about the coolest thing I could possibly imagine. Anastasia Cole Plakius, thank you so much for inviting us up to your farm. Oh my gosh, thank you guys so much for coming, and you'll be coming back once we get that Sunset Park you're, space you're, you're up and running. Know. Great, thank <laughs> awesome. you again. All right, one more. So, okay. Clee, 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 clee. Thanks. Oh my gosh. Oh, awesome. Do you guys want to see? I think they're probably all hiding. If you have any interest, I could try and get the chickens to make noise for you. Let's do it. Let's do it.